Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hello, and this is Leah Aroni with news from the Torah for today, June 15th, the 16th day of the Hebrew month of Sivan. And this week we're reading the Torah portion of Shlach. The main story of the Torah portion Shlach is about the spies that the Jewish people asked Moshe to send into the land of Israel and the evil report that the spies brought back to the Jews. The spies told the Jews that the land of Israel is too hard to conquer. They would never be able to conquer it. God would not be able to conquer it. And so the Jews cry and mourn and basically tell God they don't want to go into the land of Israel. And the punishment for that is that God wants to wipe of the Jewish people and create a new Jewish people just for Moses. And Moses intercedes for the Jewish people. He evokes the 13 attributes of divine mercy and convinces God not to wipe out the Jews. And then the other punishment that God gives them is that for the next 40 years, they have to wander around the desert. And every person in that generation, everybody who was 20 years and up, all men of the generation will die in the desert. And only their children would be able to go into the land of Israel 40 years down the road. And this story, besides being a historical fact, is a beautiful allegory for our own life, for our own journeys towards the land of Israel, for our own refusal to see the blessing and the power that God gives us, the power to get to our own land of Israel, our own difficulty in seeing the good in difficult situations, and some of the problems we create for ourselves. Some of us wander around the world aimlessly and we feel like we're totally out of luck. But is it something of our own doing or is this something that God puts us into? All of these are some questions that we need to ask ourselves as we try to make our way towards the promised land. And obviously we will also talk about the importance of the land of Israel as a centerpiece in the creation of the world and in the Jewish people's relationship with God. All of these will be our topics for today's show. So I ask you that you please stay with us and we will come back right after these messages. The return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel was prophesied in the Bible thousands of years ago and is coming true today. Shalom. Join me, Josh Wander, on Israel Unplugged. Listen in as we delve into the spiritual and physical aspects of the Jewish return to Zion. We'll discuss the biblically mandated, historic, and of course practical understandings of this incredible transition from exile to redemption. That's Israel Unplugged, every Monday on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Welcome back. So, as we said, 
the bulk of the Torah portion is devoted to the story of the spies. As the Jewish people are about to enter the land of Israel, God tells Moshe to send 12 spies to check out the land before it is conquered. Rashi asks an obvious question. Why were they supposed to send spies? Why did they need to send spies? And he answers that the Jewish people actually asked for spies. The Jewish people asked for somebody to go out and see this land that they would go to. And then God told Moshe, look, if you want to, you can do it. And if you don't want to, you don't have to. I'm giving you the option, but I'm not commanding you. And once the spies were sent, this created an opportunity for the mistake, for the wrong interpretation of reality that the spies brought back. And we're going to talk about that during the next part of this show. But today, during this segment, I'd like to talk about the importance of the land of Israel and the question of why would the Jewish people not go into the land of Israel? And this question was just as relevant 3,000 years ago as it is relevant today. To understand the importance of the land of Israel, we have to go to the very first Rashi in the Torah. The very first Rashi in the Torah, on the very first verse, asks an obvious question. Why does the Torah start from the story of the creation and of the forefathers and basically the entire book of Breshid of Genesis and half the book of Exodus are all stories? Why do we need these stories? Torah is the work of law. Torah is from the word of Hora'ah to teach us how to live. It's a lifestyle manual to Jewish life. So why do we need all these stories? And Rashi answers that the entire point of the Torah is for Jewish people to live in the land of Israel. And therefore, God told us all of the stories to show that the land of Israel belongs to the Jewish people. So if ever the non-Jewish challenge the Jews' right to the land of Israel, we can pull out the Bible and says, say, God created the world, God created the heavens and the world, God created the land of Israel. He gives every land to the people that he desires, and he gave it to the Jewish people, and the proof of that is in the Bible. So the entire first part of the Torah, almost a quarter of the Torah, is actually there just to prove the Jewish people's right to the land of Israel. And this is the very first Rashi in the Torah, but there is much deeper explanation here, and that is that Jewish people living in the land of Israel is the purpose of creation. Because this is what Rashi tells us. Why did God create the world? Because he wants the Jewish people to live in the land of Israel, for the holy people to live the holy Torah in the holy land is the purpose of creation. So I ask you, if this is the purpose of creation, and if God has been orchestrating the life of Jewish people in the land of Israel since basically the time of the creation of the world, but certainly since the time he told Avram to leave his land and go to the land of Israel, and then 
God walks with Avram and Yitzhak and Yaakov, and then he sends the Jewish people down into Egypt to form their character and then brings them back to the land of Israel. We have this 400-year-long saga, which is all about forming the Jewish people and bringing them to the land of Israel. And God has a process, and God has an end game here. And then the Jews say, you know, God, everything's good, but we just don't want to go into the land of Israel. Well, how well would that go over? God created the world for the Jews to live in Israel, and then God has been putting this plan into motion for hundreds of years for the Jews to come into Israel. And then when the Jewish people are standing on the cusp of the land of Israel, they say, you know what? We actually have a bad idea. We don't want to go go in. We want to go back. So the point of this week's Parsha, of this week's Torah portion, is not just that the Jewish people were fearful of going to the land of Israel or that the spies brought back a wrong report, but basically we have a crisis that's putting a wrinkle, so to speak, into God's divine plan. And the entire creation of the world, and certainly the last 400 years of Jewish history, are writing on this. And here we're at a point when God is about to consummate the plan to bring it to fruition and then just say, sorry, we're not playing. So obviously God says, if you're not playing, I have no use for you because you're not following divine plan. This is exactly what the world was created for. And therefore, God is not overreacting when he tells Moshe, I'm going to wipe them out and create a new nation from you, Moshe, because this is what I created the world for. It's like, you know, when you want to have a birthday party for somebody and you go out and you do all the shopping and all the cooking and you buy all the supplies and you invite all the guests and the party is about to start and then exactly at the moment before the guests arrive, the birthday boy or girl says, um, actually, scratch that. I don't want the party anymore. So this is God's plan for the world, for the Jewish people to live in the land of Israel and follow the Holy Torah in the land of Israel. And the Jewish people have to go along with the plan because this is their part in divine plan. And this brings back the question to us. We are three and a half thousand years later, and the Jewish people have lived in the land of Israel, and the blew it once, and the blew it the second time, and God sent us into exile. But the point of exile is for us to learn the lessons and come back to the land of Israel because the divine plan hasn't changed and the end game hasn't changed. God created the world for the Jewish people to live in the land of Israel and follow the Torah here. So now, three and a half thousand years after the spies, we're seeing the fruition of the divine plan happening. The Talmud says that the greatest sign of redemption, the greatest sign of the gathering of the exiles is that the land of Israel gives bountiful fruit. And you know, you just have to walk in into any one of the backyards in my neighborhood or just go into your neighborhood grocery store and you will see the bountiful fruit mostly grown here locally in Israel to see the signs of redemption and the gathering of the exiles. Because the gathering of the exiles was promised by our prophets, by Yermiel, Jeremiah, and Yeshayahu, 
Isaiah and Nechaskel, Ezekiel, it's all throughout the Torah that the Jewish people will come back to the land of Israel because the divine plan doesn't change. The end game doesn't change. It just is taking a little bit longer for us to do it. But now we're here. There is uh, almost a majority of the Jewish people in the land of Israel and almost a minority in the diaspora. We're coming to a point where the tipping point will turn and the majority of the Jewish people will live in the end of Israel. And this is a point of no return. So now the question is to every single Jew who now lives in the diaspora, what are you doing there? The divine plan is for all of Jews to live in the land of Israel. This is the end goal of creation. So why are you still in the diaspora? And yes, people have many personal reasons, very often good reasons, for living in the diaspora, whether it's closeness to their parents or educational system or finances, or it's just going to be so hard to live in Israel. But guess what? The divine plan is for you to live in the land of Israel. This is what God wants. And if we have the faith that this is part of the divine plan and I'm following the divine plan and I'm doing what God wants because this is the fulfillment of the purpose of the creation of the world, do you think there's a way that God won't help you do it? Of course not. If you come with the right intention of understanding that you are fulfilling the purpose of creation, for sure God will help you do it. And yes, there'll be challenges because the same Talmud says that the land of Israel is bought, is acquired through challenges. For sure there'll be challenges, that's obvious. But so what? Everything that's worthwhile, certainly something as worthwhile as fulfilling the purpose of creation is going to have its set of challenges. But since when do challenges scare us? The commentators on the Torah give many reasons why the spies brought back an evil return and cooled the Jewish people off from going into the land of Israel. And there are many interpretations that give the spies good intentions because they were actually noble, Torah-learned people. One of them is that in the desert, the Jews could learn Torah and have divine closeness in a way they would not be able to have in the land of Israel, where they would have to do the agricultural work. But the answer to that is, who are you to be making those calculations? God wants the Jewish people to be in the land of Israel. That's the purpose of creation. Don't enter your own small calculations of what's best into the decision. Let God take care of that. Let God set the priorities. For the Jewish people to be in the land of Israel is the top priority. And we really have to ask ourselves, are we making the right calculations? Is our calculus right with all the reasons to stay in diaspora? So ask yourself this question and stay with us. We'll be right back after these messages.
Hi, I'm Steve Miller. And I'm Matt Zucker. Join us for Lighten Up, where we take a look at the week's current events in Israel and from around the Jewish world through a humorous lens. If you've been paying attention during these crazy times, you know that it's a challenge to parody life anymore. But join Steve and I as we give it the old college try. Not only is being happy an obligation, but life is just too short to take it all so seriously. So join me, Steve Miller. And me, Matt Zucker. For Lighten Up every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Israel, only on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Welcome back. So in this week's Torah portion, Moshe Rabbeinu gives the Jewish people the option of going out to check the land of Israel before they actually go in. They don't really have to go to check it out, but if they want to, they can. And so when representatives of each tribe decide to come together and go check out the land of Israel before going in, Moshe Rabbeinu gives them some guidance. He tells them, go and see the land, what it is, and is the nation that sits on it, is it strong or weak? Are they many or few? And is the land good or bad? And are the cities on it uh, open or are they fortified? And is the land fat or is it lean? And are there trees there? So he gives them all kinds of signs to check out the land. And then the spies come back and give an evil report. And what's the report? Why is it evil? It's true. He says the cities are fortified and the people are very big and very strong. And what all of this means is that we will not be able to conquer the land of Israel. It's too big. It's too challenging. The cities have big, strong walls. The people are really, really big, and it's going to be too hard. And even, they say, God cannot conquer these people. Not only we cannot conquer, but God cannot help us conquer these people. And Rashi, the preeminent commentator on the Torah, says that what Moshe gave them were different signs on how to evaluate the quality of the land, to see that the land is good, and to come back and tell the Jewish people how good the land is. And he gave them different benchmarks, different markers on how to evaluate the land. So, for example, to see that the land is fat, that it brings a lot of fruit, that it has good water sources, that it grows strong people, that the strength of the people and their size is an attestment to the quality of the land because some lands actually grow weak people because the climate is not conductive to health. But here, because the people are big, it's a sign that the climate is conductive to health and it's a good place to live. However, what the spies did was that they changed the program. They did not go out to see whether the land is good and come back to report about the quality of the land, but instead they saw it as their job to evaluate whether it is possible 
for the Jews to conquer the land. And that was actually never the question. Because if God promised the Jewish people the land of Israel, then it's pretty axiomatic that he can help them conquer it. And we actually see this in the book of Joshua, 40 years down the road, that the Jewish people conquered the land of Israel without a lot of challenge because God was there to help them with it. But the spies changed the program and instead of coming back and answering the question that they were asked, mainly to show the Jewish people how good the land is, they came back with the wrong report. And that's the wrong report. And it's really important to notice here that they had an option on how to interpret the facts. Moshe gave them benchmarks on how to interpret the facts and they went ahead and made wrong commentaries, they filtered the benchmarks in a wrong way. So for example, Moshe told them, check out if the cities are fortified or if they're open. Because if the cities are fortified, that means that the people there are weak, they're afraid, they're afraid of waging war. But if cities are open and have no walls, that means that the people are actually very courageous and they feel that they're strong and they don't need walls to protect themselves. So here, in the way that Moshe presented this to the spies, fortified cities are actually a sign of weakness. But when the spies went and saw the fortified cities, they said, no, that's a sign of strength. If the cities are fortified, we won't be able to conquer them. So it's really a very important lesson to us. We all see reality, but the question is, how do we perceive the reality? What's the interpretation we give to this reality? Another example from the story of the spies is that the spies came back and said, the land is bad and everybody is dying because every place we went, there were funerals. So there's something wrong with the climate there. People there are dying. And Rashi says, no, God orchestrated for the leaders of the Canaanite kingdoms to die so that the people of the land will be very busy with funerals and they would not notice the spies. So what the spies perceived to be a problem was actually a gift that God gave them to make sure that they were safe. Once again, we cannot argue about the facts, but we can argue about the interpretation, what we do with these facts. And then Moshe asked them to bring back fruit, to show the people the quality of the fruit of the land of Israel. However, the spies brought back fruit that was very, very big to scare the people and to say, look, you see this fruit, it's huge. They have these huge grapes, huge dates, huge figs, and just like the fruit of the land is huge and disproportionate, so are the people of the land huge and big and disproportionate and strong, and we won't be able to conquer this land. So the question that you ask really defines the answer that you get, and the question that you ask defines the conversation. Moshe once again asked the question of, is the land good? And obviously it is good because God gave it to us and God told us that this is the best land for the people of Israel. And all that the spies had to do was to go out, see the goodness of the land. They were given the answer before they were given the question. 
and come back and tell the Jewish people the land is amazing, it's rich, it's fat. We will have no problem conquering it because God promised us. Guys, let's go. But instead, the spies went out and asked the other question. Can we conquer this? As if it depended on them and not on God. And when they asked that question, they were full of fear and full of uncertainty. And then they looked at the reality around them. And instead of seeing the good, they actually saw the bad and they came back with the wrong report. We cannot conquer this land and neither can God. Now, what's the lesson of that for us? All of us come into the world with a certain quote-unquote promised land. We all come into the world with a mission that only we can do. We hear things, we're challenged with new challenges, and very often we'll look at the reality and say, I cannot do this. Other people couldn't do it before me. It's too hard. If this could have been solved, it would have been solved already. This is a big challenge. And we look and we ask the wrong question. Instead of the, asking the question of, this is a challenge that God threw my way, I absolutely can't do this. What are the resources that God is giving me? What is this good land? What is the fatness of the land? What do I have that will help me solve this challenge? We ask a very different question. And that question is, can I do this? And if we ask the question of, can I do this? Then we're full of fear, of uncertainty, and we look at the reality and we take clues from the reality that show that this is hard, and we use that to scare ourselves into passivity. But if we would have asked the question of, how should I do this? Or what are the resources that God gave me in the world to do this? What is the fruit of this good life that God has given me that I can use to work with the challenges of my life? We would have gotten a very different answer. And if we ask ourselves about the resources, we would find the first resource, the first step we need to make. And we would go ahead and go down the path that we need to go down and solve the problem. So the question you ask defines the answer that you get. And very often in life, actually, God gives us the answer. And the answer is, I want you to do things. There are challenges here I want you to overcome. There are situations that only you can solve. How do you know? Because I brought them to your step. And if God brought something to our doorstep, that means that it is for us to act in it. Because otherwise, why would God show this to us? So instead of looking for resources, we'll look for, can I do this? But let's set, can I do this aside? You are not judged on your outcomes. You're judged on your effort. And if God brings an issue to our doorstep, then very probably we are the people to do something about it. And if we're able to do something about it and we take it upon ourselves, and we ask the question, what do I have? What is God giving me? that can help me solve this challenge in the world, we will for sure find the resources. Just like the resources were there in the land of Israel, but the spies misinterpreted the resources because they were asking the wrong question. So I challenge you to ask yourself, where am I returning on the sin of the spies? 
Where am I not being forceful enough? Where am I running away from the problem? What challenges are there in the world? What issues are there in the world? What problems are there in the world that I see, but I'm not acting upon them because I'm afraid that I can't do it, that it's too big for me, that I won't be able to succeed. And then I tell you, just take the first step. So many times in life I've seen that after you take the first step, you'll see the second step, and then the third step, and then something happens and the problem solves itself. Because if God brought this to you, all he wants you to do is to take the first step and show up and say, hey God, I'm here to solve this. Stay put. We'll talk about more of this week's Torah portion right after these messages. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. This is Shai Bentico, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany's but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel, Phantom Nation, every Monday. Welcome back. This week, I heard a really, really strong statement that I would like to share with you. And that is, God opens a door before he closes a window. God gives a solution before he gives the problem. So then why are there so many situations in which people have a problem and don't have a solution or they cannot find a way out? Why are so many problems seemingly unsolvable and the answer is when God gives a problem then he gives a solution first but when people put themselves into problematic situations then there is no way out and very often the problems we face are not the problems created by God very often the problems we face are the problems that we create for ourselves And nowhere is this more clear than in these week's Torah portions, starting from last week into this week and going forward. When the Jewish people were supposed to leave Mount Horeb to go to the land of Israel, it was a nine days walk. That's it, nine days to walk from the Mount Sinai to the land of Israel. Horeb and Sinai are really two names for the same mountain. So nine-day walk from Mount Sinai to the land of Israel, and God actually wanted to give them a shortcut and get them there in three days. Three days. Now, imagine yourself walking with your family, with your kids, with all your possessions, through the desert. Yes, it's challenging. There are minor cuts and burns and scratched knees, and you might be hot, and you might be cold, and you might be thirsty, and you know, it might not be the most comfortable experience, but it's a nine-day walk that God wanted to make into a three-day walk, and that's it. We have to put up with this discomfort for a few days, for a week, for a short time, and we will be in the land of Israel. 
We will be in the promised land. We will be in the best place for ourselves. And we will fulfill the purpose of creation as we discussed in the beginning of the show. What was the one thing that got in the way of the Jewish people getting to the land of Israel? Complaining. The Jewish people complained. That's it. They were sick and tired of eating the man. They wanted meat. And they started complaining, now we're sick and tired of this walk, we're sick and tired of this food, we don't want this anymore, we're tired, we're thirsty. They were basically being cranky. And being cranky and complained was what put in the wrinkle into the whole plan. Because they could have been there in three days, like way just a little bit longer. It sounds so funny to us, right? You will be in the land of Israel in just a few days, three days, nine days, it doesn't really matter few more days, you'll be in the land of Israel, you'll have a home, you'll be in this beautiful place, you will have your own land, you'll have your own place, you will have your own estates, you will have your own fields and fruit, and it's going to be amazing. You just have to put up a little bit longer with this discomfort to get there. But they just couldn't do that. They kept complaining, and instead of seeing the beauty the gift that God was going to give them, all they could see was how bad the things were. And, you know, it's so interesting. I'm not judging, obviously, but I'm having many conversations with people who are coming from Ukraine. And one day I went to a nail salon to get my nails done, and there was this 60-year-old woman who came from Ukraine. She was obviously not a nail specialist. I could see that very clearly from the very beginning, but... I didn't want to hurt her, so I just went ahead with the manicure, which really did not come out the way I wanted, but whatever. And I had the two hours to talk to her. She's actually a psychologist. She came here with her husband from a bombed city in Ukraine, and she was just so thankful for everything for being evacuated from the city, from being taken from Ukraine to Europe. And she shared that when they came to the Jewish hotel, in Romania, a hotel that was taken out by a rabbi from Kiev, she saw the flowers on the table because the rabbi's wife wanted to create this beautiful, aesthetic, pleasant environment for the refugees. So she put flowers on every single table in the dining room. And then this woman talked about the flowers and just how touched she was. But this little gesture that in the middle of all the crazy of evacuating people and making sure they had a place to sleep and food to eat and a way to get to Israel, somebody was thinking about their feelings. And then she was so grateful for the opportunity to come to Israel and the reception she had here and how her son's friends got together and brought the money and home furnishings and clothing. And she was just so thankful for everything, for every little bit. Now, this woman is having some very hard experiences. Imagine yourself being a psychologist in your home country and being bombed for weeks and then leaving everything behind, coming to the land of Israel literally with a suitcase and then going to work um, doing manicures, something that's not even at her level, and making very little money, and living in a very little apartment with no future. She doesn't know what the future will bring. So yes, her life is very, very difficult. But this woman is choosing to look at the positive and be grateful for what she has. And on the other hand, there are other people in different situations that 
they have many, many gifts and many things coming to them, but they never stop complaining about the little stuff. They never put up with the little stuff. They constantly complain. And by complaining, they're putting themselves in unsurmountable difficulties because everything becomes a challenge and everything becomes difficult and there is no internal mechanism, there are no internal resources to overcome this because everything becomes a crisis. Because if everything you go through is hard and doesn't work, then everything is a crisis. You're constantly, constantly sweating stuff. And you're creating problems for yourself where there are no problems. So God cannot give you a solution to something that's not actually a problem. Because if you would just concentrate on the positive, it would be so much easier to live through this. But it is our choice to look for problems and complain. Or it is our choice to keep the eyes on the prize and see Where am I going? What am I going to get? And yes, the way there is uncomfortable. And sometimes the issues, just like for the Jews in the desert, the way was not comfortable. But complaining only makes it worse. And sometimes when we make things difficult for ourselves, when we complain, what happens is that we actually lose hope. And in the end, we don't get to the final result. Why? Because just like the Jews in the desert, they kept complaining, they weren't happy, they didn't want the land of Israel. So God said, you know what? You're complaining, you're not happy about this, you don't want it, no problem. You're not getting it, I'm not taking you there. Now spend the next 40 years walking around the desert, this is what you wanted, this is what you're going to get. And I hope that your kids will learn the lesson and they will come back to the land of Israel. The same thing happens to us. We're all working towards goals. We're all working towards creating something beautiful and special. This is why God brings us into the world, to create something beautiful and special, to play a part that nobody else can. But yes, the way there is full of difficulty. And if we concentrate on the difficulty, we give up on our goals. And if we give up on our goals, then obviously we won't ever reach them. And God says, guess what? You don't want to work for the goal. It's too hard for you. You just want to wander around in this life, like in the desert. No purpose, no point. Okay, that's a choice. I can't do anything with you if you don't want to work towards these beautiful goals, towards creating something. If you don't want to put up with this challenge, you'll still have to spend time in the desert. It's just going to be pointless. And this is how we put ourselves into problems which don't have to be there. And my question is, what is your promised land? What is the promised land that you would like to work towards? Because if you can take yourself towards that promised land, and if there's a purpose to your life, then the challenges don't have to scare you. Yes, they're still there. Yes, they can be painful. Yes, they can be difficult, but they don't mean you can get to the goal. And the less we concentrate on the challenges and the more we keep our eyes on the prize, the more meaning and motivation there is for us to work towards these goals. And the less likely it is that we will spend 40 years wandering in the desert. So I'll give you an example. Bringing up kids is really challenging. 
the many sleepless nights, the many difficult moments, and we need to acknowledge those and validate them. But what's the big picture? What's your goal? Just imagine yourself with a beautiful family, with your kids and grandkids, and the nachas you're going to have in 20, 25 years, and the beautiful people that your kids will become. If you think about that, then that gives you hope and strength in bringing up your kids together today. So the same is for your marriage. If you want to have that beautiful relationship, then you have to put in the work today and then slowly, slowly you build up that relationship. But if we get stuck in the challenges, in the problems, then today is hopeless and that prevents us to getting to that beautiful future because we put ourselves into the problem and we turn what could be a beautiful road into an unpassable quagmire. Think about this as we leave today's show. I give you a blessing that you should find meaning and sweetness in every day of your work in this world. And we should all reach the beautiful goals that God brought us into the world to reach. Have a great week and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye from News from the Torah. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.